Hey guys, and welcome back to The Natty Scene, your insight into natural bodybuilding with your host, AJ Morris. And obviously, we had last week a awesome natural bodybuilder in the form of Damien Lees as a guest. You know that we always do the updates with Vicky, and now we're even more lucky to be joined by another epic natural bodybuilder in the form of Valentine Valentin Tambozi, who I did ask how to pronounce the name before the podcast, and yes, I still managed to somehow screw it up a little bit. But guys, like this guy is a guy that I followed. This is why I reached out to Valentin, uh, because obviously I followed I followed very in depth with with Cliff Wilson. Now Valentin is, is one of was one of Cliff's clients for uh, this year's contest season um, across. Across the pond and doing shows several and several places and really, really making his stance in natural bodybuilding, especially with regards to immense conditioning. We were talk- just talking off air about how how he really did achieve the sort of the higher level, elite level of conditioning, um, and that that to me always stands out because I know how much that takes, and I'm always intrigued to find out how that person felt, um, what they had to do to, to really get to that caliber of conditioning. And it just excites me. And I'm sure that it excites other people too. So I'm really excited to get to know Valentin a little bit more um, and also find out a bit more about his uh, sort of bodybuilding journey. So Valentin, just um, to give the listeners a, a brief introduction to yourself that if they don't follow you on social media, uh, who are you, how old you are and, and what you're about, dude? Yeah, thanks, AJ, for having me, and thanks for that intro. I mean, I hope I can live up to it, and let's let's chat some natural bodybuilding, man. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, um, I started lifting about nine years ago, and initially got into it because I just wanted to get a bit stronger for playing basketball. I was playing basketball and was getting, getting pushed around on the court, so basically yeah. I wanted to start lifting weights and just get strong in general. Sure. And... From that basically came the passion for bodybuilding and I within within like six months I made the change to just lifting weights and um, getting into it more and more and from that from there things just progressed, right? Yeah. So prior to that I was pretty active in team sports, soccer, basketball, stuff like that. The, the usual I would say. Were you a but, skinny guy? Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very skinny as a kid. Your build, your build almost looks like you were previously quite a small, slender guy. That's the way your, the musculature looks on you at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Plus, that, that also gets us to, to the next point as far as conditioning goes. I have to be conditioned. Otherwise, I will just get <laughs> wiped, wiped off the stage, right? For sure. So, at, the, at, this, as this, at this present moment in time, I mean, for sure, I think... One of your goals in the future is to get like as muscular as you possibly can. But you know, yes. I, you know, I think, and obviously, whilst maintaining a balance of, and obviously, we'll go on to discuss how you're doing that in your potential off season. But yeah, you know, I think that a lot of a lot of sort of the smaller individuals. Now, a question to you on that, like whilst you're on sort of the initial grounds of how you got into things. Like, do do you do you think that the fact that you were a, a smaller, skinnier guy, were you always one of those kids that was quite active and always found it relatively comfortable to stay lean and found it more hard to actually put on weight? You know, I feel like that changed over the course of my life. So as a kid, I was eating so much food and I just couldn't gain any weight. 
And as I as I get older, I'm 29 years now. Yeah. Is I feel I have to stay a bit more hungry than I want to during my off season mm. to not get too fat and just stay in a great place as far as as body composition goes. So for me, it changed over the years. So I cannot say I'm still that kind of typical ectomorph skinny guy that just can throw down carbs like crazy. Yeah, I mean that's interesting because you seem to come from like a similar body type and similar activity levels and like look to someone like Nunez as a bodybuilder and yeah. like Nunez is a prime example of someone who like just in his off season he seems to eat like a, a, a big amount of food and not really push his body weight up significantly and he seems to like always complain or struggle of the like feeling like he's got to eat more got to eat more and expend less yeah, calories so, um, uh, you know, you'd expect that, but it is interesting. I think I had a podcast with Brandon Wadus, and he, he did mention that as he's gotten older, he's felt like he's eating less in gaining phases. Um, so maybe this, is, maybe this is something that's just correlative in some people. Now, obviously, so you were active, like super active as a kid. You got into training for bodybuilding or at least training to improve your sporting endeavors. What was your yes. first? What was your first experience of bodybuilding? Like, where did you see your first bodybuilder? Who was it? And did that initial sort of look at bodybuilding ignite the fire straight away for you? Yeah, that, that's a great question because I think everybody approaches competition and competing at first in a very naive kind of way, and you just see those guys and you want to want to look like that. Yeah. And my first, really, the first bodybuilders I followed are usually, were usually the, the dog prep guys. I know you're familiar with Dante Trudell and all yeah. those guys. Yeah. And I was just diving right into that type of training, which was way too early at that part, point of my lifting career. But I progressed. Forums, mate. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, so all those guys and... Um, that was really the first time where I was thinking like, man, this bodybuilding thing could be something I'm getting really into it because um, I was I was just impressed by the dedication those guys put in and how much they how much they just buy into this stuff and just with do this stuff with laser focus day in and day out. Yeah. And so initially it wasn't that much I wasn't that focused on natural bodybuilding at first that came later okay. because at first you're just you're just being motivated by whoever you, motivates you right you just you cannot grasp the whole the whole um, bodybuilding community in itself Absolutely. so and later on I started to get more and more interested in the natural bodybuilders and somebody that still stands out to me to this day is Brian Whitaker I mean, I absolutely, absolutely love his build, and I'm sure you've seen some of his posing videos when he was like two or three weeks oh, out from the York. Yeah, man, <laughs> I watch those during prep almost every day. Yeah, yeah, and same. <laughs> that's that's just the level of conditioning I feel like that draws me so much natural bodybuilding. Yeah. Because if I compare it to this week is the Mr. Olympia, and if I compare those physiques to natural natural bodybuilders, it's just uh, Obviously, that's the size difference, everything, but the conditioning and the way a natural bodybuilder looks on stage and the way Brian looks in that video, that's something that I wanted. I wanted to look like that. And those, that's probably a brief overview of what got me motivated to do this. Yeah, I mean, with Brian, I can totally relate. It's so funny that you said that with the posing videos. 
literally before I did my walk this morning, I watched <laughs> I watched one week out from the WMBF Worlds. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think what I love about Brian and what I love about natural bodybuilding, probably very similar to you, is that like a lot of people say about Brian is that like when you see him in the gym or when you see him in like just walking around backstage, doesn't even look like he really lifts. <laughs> yeah. And then takes off everything. And yeah. I just abs- uh, like absurd. It's just unreal. Like the density across all level of musculature. Like oh, it's just unreal. And yeah. and it's just it almost just has like a. Uh, I think comparative to like what you're saying with the Olympia guys, Brian. Almost, almost every show that he does, it's just this polished, presentable look that looks professional. And when you yes. see an when you see an IFBB guy turn up. A little bit off it doesn't look professional it doesn't yeah. look like professional bodybuilding does it but then you see the lineup at WMBF worlds and that you know the top 10 will just look professional um, yes. and it seems to be that you know obviously we have less variables to control with regards to things going in um, and obviously we just focus on training and nutrition and then maximizing the other small variables around around that, um, whereas they've got so much to go on that they seem to get things wrong a little bit more frequently. Um, but yes, but yes, I, t- I totally agree with that sort of motivation. Now, th- before you first competed, what year? Oh, let, let's just go into like so, so. Obviously, when was your first competitive season, mate? That was 2014, so three years ago, okay. and I, I did. I think I did a. It was a 26 week prep at that time. And how but, long? Had you, how long had you been actually training, um, and sort of like training and eating and enjoying yourself and being passionate about bodybuilding before that first show? Uh, I would say about five years. How important do you think that was? And do you oh think God. that that built the majority of your tissue? Yeah, that was massively important. Don't jump into shows too early, guys. I mean, the stage, the stage will always be there. And I think uh, when when people that follow you look at you, you're already you already so experienced at your age, and you're already this is your second competitive season, right? Third, actually. Yeah, Third. I've done. Yeah, oh, I've done quite okay. a few. Yeah. yeah. So you have so much time, but you already have gained so much stage experience. So that's. Obviously, a great combination, but at the same time, guys jump into shows way too early. Agreed. And I think I then, did personally. Yeah, and then some. Sometimes they push if they're capable of pushing it really hard. They just lose the fun of it all, and they just never compete again. So they do their first show at nineteen, push it really hard, and then never compete again. So that's try to avoid that, and you can you can do a lot more frequent shows and competitive season as you get older. I mean, just look at somebody like Marshall Johnson, who's like on stage every weekend, every year. And he didn't do that in his 20s. He was building tissue at that time. So you you have to invest invest into your muscle mass at first, and then you can concern yourself with competing. Yeah. Did you ever think or attempt a prep in those sort of four or five years? And then think, no, I'm not ready. Let's go again for another gaining phase. Like, did you did you know natural bodybuilding existed, or were you just eating and growing? Like, what was the situation there? I knew it existed, but I didn't attempt to prep and then just aborted it. Okay. I did a few mini cuts yeah. that I pushed hard, but 
yeah, nothing comparable to a real contest prep, right? Okay. So what instilled you with the, with the confidence when you started that first prep? um to to do a show was it motivated by someone else did were people in the gym saying you know valentin you're looking you're looking huge now let's let's get you on stage or did you did you get motivated by someone else like what what was the situation when you started that first prep and thought right i'm going to attack this yeah that's a good question man because i can't really recall a specific scenario or situation where somebody told me you should go on stage and now i'm gonna do it was basically just intrinsic motivation that drove me to the stage and basically me being pretty naive about the whole process and thinking, man, I'm now weighing 200 pounds. Um, I will cut down like 15 pounds and be ready for the stage. And man, then, then you start cutting and you realize it's going to be probably more than that. <laughs> yeah, 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 massively. How long, how long was the prep then? I think you already mentioned it, but how long was the prep for, for that first show that you did? It was between 24 and 26 weeks and would just given my starting point a lot, way too less time. I mean, I should have done like a lot longer prep. And the, the two things it always comes down to as far as prepping goes, it's how much time do you have and what is your starting point? If you have those two things in place, you're pretty much golden all the way, man, as long as you're not doing any major, major dumb things. So, yeah. Sure. So what was your approach for this first prep? I, I know that you didn't obviously have Cliff. Did you have another coach and did you work with a, uh, a macro tracking perspective for your diet or was it more like a meal plan? What sort of approach did you use uh, for this contest prep? And looking back, do you think that mm -hmm. it was optimal? Yeah, so uh, for that first contest, I wasn't working with Cliff. I was working with somebody else. Okay. And we were doing uh, meal plans. Okay. Um, and which was totally fine at that point because I was used to it and I I enjoyed it actually. Yeah. So it wasn't that much of an issue. People are always so dismissive when it comes to meal plans and everything. There's there's different approaches for different people, and you really have to fit it to the individual. And some people just thrive on on meal plans, so um, that shouldn't that shouldn't be a concern. So it wasn't optimal in terms of the way the prep was set up and how long it took for me to actually get in decent conditioning. So I just needed more time. And at the end, I was doing already so much cardio and was stressed out. And it was just way too much. It was overwhelming for my first prep. Mm. And how did you get on? How did you do? Like, what was the what was the end result? And were you, were you happy? Or were you sort of quite frustrated in, in the time that it took you to, to get there? And like, did you, but did you just did like, did you enjoy the stage experience? What was it like for you? Yeah, the stage experience was actually great. I didn't do that great. I was like third out of five guys, and the quality of competition wasn't that great. Okay. But it didn't matter to me. It was I just wanted to get my feet wet and be on stage, mm. do my posing and stuff, and that that was that was a great experience by itself. But afterwards, I wasn't frustrated or anything. All I thought about was improve, improve, improve. So I wanted just to have another run at it as fast as possible not not meaning i want to compete right away but i just thought to myself man there are so many things i can optimize here from posing to nutrition to training everything yeah. a tan yeah. i mean everything yeah and that just lit a fire under my ass and i just wanted i knew at that point the next time i'm getting on stage i will present something totally different and something i can be really proud of
Mm. And I, I achieved that this year, but that was there was no frustration at all in 2014. It was just, man, let's let's go and build on this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something really important to note is that when you do your first show, you do reverse engineer. When you come out of it, you think, yes. holy shit, there were so many things in my offseason I wasn't doing quite well. And obviously at the same time, you need to think that obviously some of the things that are a requirement or a prerequisite of a contest prep, you can't necessarily apply thoroughly to an offseason that has balance because you've got to realize that you know when you say no every single week to social events when you're in a prep, to be accurate, you've got to start saying yes a little bit more, otherwise you'll have no fucking friends. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, there are some things that you that you have to realise that you've got to be a little bit more relaxed on. But for the most part, I think it does open up your eyes to like, I could be way more consistent here. I could nail this variable, that variable. And I think every time, I'm, I'm sure you would agree, you learn something from a contest prep and you you take it into your off-season and you have a more productive off-season. Um, so I think that's, that's really important. So yeah. in in the time between 2014 and 2017, uh, what what sort of, what, what did that look like? Because obviously that's quite a long time to be in a massing or a gaining phase. Um, how did you structure that in terms of pushing your body weight up, pushing lifts up, and then obviously trying to build as much muscle as you can whilst not getting too far out of shape? What was the structure like? Yeah, good question. So basically I tried to string as many months together as possible where I was gaining weight and spending time in a surplus without getting fat basically. And I know there's different approaches to this and I'm a bit torn at the very at the current moment as far as, as nutritional periodization goes yeah. because I think there's advantages to pushing it really hard and then doing a mini cut or doing extensive slower gaining phases like Eric Helms prescribes. Sure. So I think it really comes down to the person and what you, not not just body part, but also what your psychological profile is like and what you really what you're really into basically. Because if you like to push it push it aggressively in the gym and want to do the same thing with your nutrition, then maybe gaining for eight or nine months at a time is not gonna be not gonna work out. You're just getting fat. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, a person like that who does like a four-month bulk and then does a, a short mini-cut of three to six weeks, maybe that person does a lot better with that approach than with the slow-gaining approach. But for me, it was the slow-gaining approach that worked really well, I have to say. I just had to stay really disciplined, a lot more disciplined than people believe you have to be in the off-season because otherwise I just blow up. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier... I always have to be slightly hungry, even when I'm growing and in a surplus and eating plenty of calories. I think I feel like that is the case for a lot more people than uh, than what are out there and actually think they can just eat and pound pound away food. But it's for most people, it's not working. You have to be a little bit. You could be should be able to eat a little bit more in order to stay in a at a good body percentage. Sure, sure. I think there's always an element of control that we need to have over our diet, right? Like, it's yes. not necessarily drastic restriction or anything like that. It's more so just being mindful and realizing that, yeah, you just can't pound food because it's not productive. Um, you know, yeah. you're going to reach a point where body fat 
accumulates to, to 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 a point where nothing becomes optimal with regards to like insulin sensitivity, how nutrient uptake, digestion, everything just goes down the drain as soon as you get to a certain level of, of body fat and then you just spend longer trying to taper that all off. So I think, yeah, like obviously the way that you periodize things um, is just making sure you're managing things. Basically, you can take a slow approach, fast approach. I know that sort of Mike Isretar, I think, is coming out with more research to sort of back the the faster more aggressive game followed by an aggressive mini cut which is interesting um and i think both ways can work the only way that i've ever done it myself has always been just stay in a surplus for as long as i can um and 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 i think personally from my perspective and what that provides is is a greater level of momentum i think that i've had like just greater strings of training sessions whereas i think if i if i was mentally pushing like a a six week seven week mass and i knew that at the end i was going to have a mini cut i think i'd get a bit inclined to get a bit anxious about that mini cut coming up and that my training performance might taper um so yeah but that's a very interesting topic and obviously people just need to keep in mind that when you go into an off season it's not just about getting fat and uh just wasting your time um because you're just going to make the next phase harder so Obviously, with that, you came into 2017 in a pretty good position, I imagine. Start point was probably a lot better than when you were in 2014. So oh, how, yeah. far, how far out from your initial first show did you contact Cliff? And what sort of position were you in with regards to uh, your sort of your, your starting macros at that point? Um, and yeah, what, what did things look like when you contacted Cliff? Yeah, I contacted Cliff in summer of 2016. Mm. So in order to get prep started in around November, December, I wow. knew I had to inquire really early with him. And that was actually perfect timing. And so he took me on for November and we started prep in November. Okay. And um, with the goal of competing at a German show at the end of May. Okay. Okay. Plans change along the way, but we'll get into that. Okay. But um, that was the initial plan, giving us plenty of time. Plus, my starting point was I was really, really lean. Uh, according to Dex, I was like 11% body fat at the start of prep. Wow. And that was just perfect for me. Okay. It was just good, good body fat percentage where I felt good, where I had plenty of calories at my disposal, and I looked fairly lean. Mm. So. That was my starting point, and I think we started out with slightly less than three thousand calories okay, on nice. my regular, and so that was that was a lot to mm. a lot to work with for Cliff. Yeah, for sure. So over over the course of the prep, um, comparative to to the one that you did in twenty fourteen, I know that in twenty fourteen you ended up on a lot of cardio. You ended up on or probably low calories. Um, yeah, I, I know from following your prep that you, you did end up on like you had some days which were pretty low calorie in your you know 2017 prep. Everyone has to push and everyone has to do that sort of phase at some point. But what did the sort of the structure look like in terms of your both your rate of loss and the the way that you did things in terms of cardio? Because I know that Cliff is a little bit different in terms of how he usually likes to use cardio as a tool for, for contest prep athletes. Yeah, so cardio was not really really a big factor in the entire prep at all. Cool. I mean, I, I tried to keep my activity in general as steps per day goes pretty high, okay. but we never had to do any any enormous amount of cardio besides that. It was like 15 minutes of list per week what was at your, the end. What was your steps like per day? 
um, always hovered around six to eight thousand per day. So not super active, based on yeah, based on me sitting in front of a computer and answering emails all day. Right, yeah. you're not that super active. Hmm. Um, so it really really came down to what you do with your with your nutrition, basically. So that's that's. I really have to say when people think about um, Cliff or any contest prep coach, they always think about the exciting stuff, right? The rapid backload or what are you doing with training and stuff like that. But the, the thing the thing really is the way he, he he guided myself through that prep, that's that made all the difference because we had some some weeks in there where we had a small diet break, then we had more frequent refeeds, and it was really just based on what he saw in the pictures and on based on my body weight. And um, you mentioned rate of loss. It was usually between the typical, what you what we're all used to, 0.5 to 1.5% per week. Usually you lose a bit more at the beginning of prep because water and glycogen and stuff like that. But at later end, it was almost nothing. But like, like Cliff also has mentioned, every single pound makes a huge difference at the end. Mm. I mean, it's absolutely mm. amazing what two pounds can do when you're already fairly lean. And those extra two pounds can reveal a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a brief view. But it was, looking back at it, it was really nothing magical he did. It was just basically really guiding, my, my, guiding me through that prep with a lot of poise and being very, very patient. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested to know when he implemented a diet break. So I've got like two questions on this. Really, we'll go the diet break way first. So when he implemented the diet break, obviously he you said he'd take into account your weight. Now I've had Cliff on the podcast before, so I kind of know how his check-in process works in terms of you, you'll send him an email, you'll send him sort of like a, sort of roughly just sort of how your week went, and then the pictures yeah. and your weight. Uh, it seems to be a very straightforward approach with Cliff, which I kind of like. It's just like very straightforward data. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. And uh, so so in terms of when he'd give you a diet break, what would he sort of say? Would he say, you know, Valentin, we're having a diet break because your weight has dropped? Or would he say your, your physique is looking flat? Or would he take training into account in terms of your training performance? Like what would be the rationale behind having that diet break? Basically, just being ahead of time. That's okay. it. Basically, if you're in a good position and time is on your side, like I mentioned earlier, if time is your ally, uh, you want to make use of that. And we just basically did those diet breaks and the, those extra refeeds because I was I was ahead of time, and he didn't want it, me to get to push it too far. Getting ready early is never an issue. He will say that uh, himself. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh my God, that's easy. You just bring calories up, right? You're eating to the as, as, yeah. And so we, we just did that and it was just based on me being ahead of time. So we did that around January at the beginning of February. What did, um, it, so what did was, it kind of look like? Where did calories go from and to? Um, basically everything as far as protein stayed pretty much the same, but he just added carbs and fats okay. for the diet break. And it wasn't super long. It was like uh, three or four weeks. But weight weight kept progressing in a way we liked it. And so we just stuck to it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I know there was a point in your prep where you got to a certain level of conditioning. And Cliff replied saying, right, cool. We're bringing calories up. 
Um, fat losses essentially we're done with as much fat loss as we needed to get off now how how was that for you mentally when you almost felt like you must have felt like I'm not dieting because calories are now coming up but I'm still in prep and I'm still in a calorie deficit how was that mentally for you because obviously when you're dieting down and like you're looking for those extra pounds, you're looking for that extra bit of conditioning, that is a very motivating factor to keep you pushing and to keep you pushing through the dark days. It's like, I know that I, like you go to sleep knowing that you're in a deficit, knowing that you're going to get more fat loss. How was it mentally to sort of like deal with the fact that you, you're done with fat loss and now it's all about sort of like maintaining and trying to feel a little bit more human? Yeah, you know, since since weight was still trending downwards quite a bit, it wasn't like crazy, but it was still trending downwards. Yeah. I had no issue with it at all because usually I struggle with maintenance phases because I feel like everything everything is on hold. I'm I'm very black and white, which is not a good thing. I'm very black and white as far as that goes because I either want to gain or I want to lose. I'm the same. But yeah, you have to understand, everybody who's listening to this has to understand those maintaining phases are super, super important, man. And especially during a long prep. Yeah. But it can be a struggle when you get on the scale five days in a row and you're pretty much weighing the same every single time, mm-hmm. thinking to yourself, I, I want to get better. And less weight equals fat loss equals um, progress, at least in, in my mind at that time period. And that that was a bit of a struggle, but like I said, weight was slightly trending down, and I just could see visual changes at that point, obviously. And I was just eating a bit more. Train performance was awesome, amazing, and yeah, and that's just a great spot to be in. It's it's you really have to really have to reassess your mindset and just don't think about gaining or losing all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can totally relate because I'm in a, a moderately similar position with regards to food coming up a little bit and training performance just taking a massive positive turn and my yeah. intensity is just getting way better. Um, and, and that's what I'm sort of relaying a lot of my focus in at the moment is just the fact that I can actually start to relish in my training sessions again, which when you're pushing on those low calorie days, it's it's just tough to find that motivation to get in there and kill it because you, you you don't mentally have it there and physically most days you don't have it there either so there's a combination yeah. of the two variables and the sessions just start to take a hit um how did your uh, reverse sort of look in terms of when you'd add calories were you adding sort of I, I mean i've heard some approaches that would be very very slow in the sense of maybe something like like five grams of carbs, five grams of fat, which in t- to be honest, if you look at it from a nutritional perspective, that like, can you really add that unless you are on like the most regimented meal plan ever where you eat the same foods every day and then add five grams of fat because that's probably a way to do it. But was it more so the, uh, I guess, a bit more of a, a bigger jump? Was it more so like 20 grams of carbs a week? Like how did that reverse look, man? Yeah, it was it was definitely he was bumping up carbs quite considerably. Okay. It was like 20, 20 or thirty or forty grams of carbs depending on a week. Okay. Um, not every week, but if you look across a few weeks, it was like forty grams of carbs. And I think even if you're already at a stage where you're pretty lean, um, this, those tiny tiny changes don't make that big of a difference. Where you bring up calories, like you said, by ten. 
10 grams, 10 grams of carbs. It's like, it's like a bite of apple. It's, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, at that point, you just plow, you, you just need every, every single calorie you need. And you're just, yeah, I, I think you don't have to be super conservative at yeah. that point um, with, with those increases as you, as you do a diet break. Mm, mm, sure. So sort of wrapping up um, your season, what, what was your best look and your best outing? Because I know following your prep, um, you seem to suggest on your social media that the second, the last show that you did of the year, you didn't think yeah. that you brought, you didn't think that you brought the same conditioning that you did for an earlier show, or at least that's what I gathered from what you exactly. said on your social media. So, what, what sort of, what happened, and what sort of, why do you think that happened and that took place? Sure, I think I have to provide some context first before we get into into that. So, Absolutely. as I work with. As I worked with, started working with Cliff in November, my goal was to do a show at the end of May in Germany, which is a, a show under the INBA uh, Europe uh, Federation. All right. So, which is a pretty big show. Um, the Germans are, have have some strong competition going on. I mean, and very similar to the BMBF, which is just from the level of competition, it's crazy yeah. that the Germans mm-hmm. are, there are some great competitors there. So yes. I definitely wanted to get to get in there to get some comparisons and see where how I stack up against the competition. But um, around February, March, I was um, telling Cliff that why not come over to the US and do a show over there, maybe even a pro qualifier and see how I do that. So we found the show and it was an, actually a month earlier, at five weeks earlier than the initial show we planned in, in Germany. Nice. So we had to just, that was right around the diet break and we just had to um, get right back to fat loss, right? So we we pushed it for the next for the next two months until the end of April to the show. And it was literally like a week before the show where I had my first glute lines. It was like within a week they showed up. And mm. Cliff, Cliff was really worried at first because he said, um, it's, it's getting really close now. And the, those glutes are just so stubborn. But within, a, within one week, I made like three weeks progress. And we were going there. What was the there. weight drop like? I'm intrigued. What was the weight drop to, to have like to go from very close to glutes to full-on glutes what was the weight drop do you remember Dude, just like we said earlier it was like a pound it wow. was nothing it was nothing so every every time somebody gets really nervous about their conditioning and glutes not showing up be patient because you may be just a pound away and that's nothing man mm-hmm. and as soon as they showed up i was just so confident about everything and did really well there won my won my pmba pro cup there and basically, um, just just continued on after that with um, with the course. And for the for the show we planned in Germany, I showed up. So basically, a week prior to that, a one week out, I was definitely the best conditioning I, I've reached during that season. It was around mid May, and I've posted recently posted a few of those pictures. And that was just that what I had in mind as far as conditioning goes. Yeah. Um, I wasn't. I'm not big. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a big guy. But the conditioning was at a level where I said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm very pleased with that. Sure. I just need to you know, to put on more more kilograms of muscle on onto that frame." So then I then I actually traveled to a seminar by Cliff 
in 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 Greece. Yeah, I remember that. It was like one week out, and that was probably not optimal due to the stress of traveling and everything. And I didn't show up as crisp at the Germany show as I wanted to. Okay. Um, but at that point, I already have reached my goal. I've got my natural pro card right. So um, we basically basically I could have ended my season right there. But I felt like two two shows in one season is not what I what I wanted to do. I just wanted to gain more stage experience and do some get some more comparison shots. Basically, yeah. I really like the idea of comparing yourself to to others and get get some objective feedback. Right. Mm. So um, the next show we targeted was the Windy City Natural. It was mid August and it was. Looking back, it was just way too much time between that second and the third show. It was like 12 weeks between that. We reversed, and at that point, the the maintaining was a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Because until that until that second show, I had zero adherence issues, absolutely nothing, yeah. and not not one time did I go over a gram. It was so easy too. So okay. it was yeah, it wasn't even like fighting to to keep to stay with my calories but after the second show i struggled a lot mm. with it and which which is which is another thing i think most people there's there's just a certain time period where you can string together show after show and after that your season has to be over because yeah you're done yeah. absolutely you're done. and at that point i was done <laughs> yeah so, um that last show wasn't optimal but it was still a great experience but um, I know for my next season, which will be in 2020, I will I will diet and I will string together as many shows in like a 10 week span and then be done with it afterwards. Yeah. Not not any more 12 week breaks between shows. It's it's not it's not optimal, man. No, no, definitely not. And like you know, for perspective, you were still shredded at that final show, <laughs> but just not your peak. Um, and I think, you know, I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, make your own prep for fucking ages. And, um, and uh, you know, you're yeah. very right in saying that they're just, they're, there is literally a switch that will flick at some point and you just can't keep going. Um, Dude, regardless, regardless of where calories are at or whatever, you know, the body, the body fat that you're at is just something that you just can't sit at for ages with with feeling relatively comfortable and adherent to everything um yeah so yeah that's that's very interesting to hear and obviously most people will i think a very very few people that listen to this podcast will prep for that long <laughs> um yeah but uh but if anyone decides to do something of that of that length then at least uh they can have some experience here so Final final question, man. So obviously going away from, from the final show of the season, um, what are your goals for the off-season in terms of improving any potential body parts to stand up, up on that pro stage? And obviously, I mean, probably one of your goals is to, is to win pro shows at some point. So how do you deem that you're going to do that and what's the plan for the off-season at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's one of the most important points to have right after the show. You need to have your goals written down and don't just don't just think to yourself okay the season is over i can just do whatever and nothing matters so i have lifting goals for pretty much every lift there is out there i i want to 
I want to just crank the logbook and just get stronger and stronger. That's my main goal right now. I know this is something you believe in. This is something I, that has greatly influenced me starting out with dog crap training. I'm, I'm just used to logging every single session. And I feel I feel totally lost when I go into the gym without knowing what I'm about to do Same. and what numbers I have to beat. Same. It yeah. just gives me a level of confidence and a level of purpose to my training session. When I go in there, you know, I have to do like 12 reps at least on this movement today. Mm. So that's the same kind of attitude I approach this offseason because it's gotten gotten me some good results. And as far as body parts goes, I definitely have to bring up my back. Okay. Um, this is something I think usually most competitors can do. Um, can use some improvement to their lower body and their back. That's usually two areas where most people can can add some 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 tissue and improve. So that's basically my focal point for now. And I mean, I have so much time, which is great. But at the same time, I want to maximize that time and don't just don't just like like many many people like one year after the competitive season is just lost because they just. They just train and have fun and stuff, which is great. But I wanna, I wanna really show up, improve the next You're time. A I pro, step up. You know? Absolutely, and you wanna, like you said, there, there have to be certain goals, and winning a pro show is definitely one of them for my next season. So um, I have to get started right away because those guys are good. <laughs> and you know, this is this is goes back to what we were saying about the pros in natural bodybuilding. Um, I remember listening to a podcast with Brian Whitaker and he was saying on the way on the plane back from WMBF Worlds every single year when he'd come short in the overall he'd write exactly what he wanted to improve on his off season and yes. you're doing that exact thing as a professional bodybuilder and I think you know personally I think some of the naturals I know I mean no there's so many dedicated guys on the assistant side assisted side of bodybuilding and the IFBB but I think that when we have the variable of just training and nutrition, we really have to maximize those things. And that's what us as natural bodybuilders do very well, is we, we literally are so meticulous with what we want to do and how we want to go about it, that we make significant improvements year to year, um, despite the minor changes in stage weight. Um, they, yeah. they, they, they show up, you know? Um, and if you put on, you know, two, two, even like two, three pounds of stage weight, that would be, that'd be huge. Um, That's and, amazing. I think the bottom line of all of this is have a plan, regardless if you're prepping yeah. or if you build, if you want to build muscle and you're in the off-season, even if it's an extended off-season, um, periodize your training, really block out those. I already have blocked out every single month until 2020. I already know when I'm going to do it. A mini cut, I already know when I will maintain and everything will happen according to plan because I have a plan. Yes. If you don't have a plan, you, you cannot say that. And you just, the mental approach, the way you approach it is different if you just wing it. And you, I mean, every, every single day, every single training week, every single training month is so, so precious. You just have to make the most of it, yeah. especially yeah. if you're natural. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. So, mate, we will we will wrap things up there. Um, it's been an awesome episode. Lots of very valuable information for the listeners, I'm sure. So, if people are looking to follow you a little bit further, and I know that you coach as well, so feel free to sort of um, give them where you're most active 
on social media uh, and then also tell them where they can potentially inquire if they want to look into your coaching and give the listeners an idea about sort of who who you coach specifically yeah. and, and how how you work with clients as well is it just online or one-to-one etc yeah absolutely so obviously i'm on, on instagram and facebook you just search my name valentin tambozi and you i will pop up right away it's not that many people with that with that name and same for my web website is valentintambozi.com and okay. um, you can find all the information about my coaching services there and as far as my clientele goes it's it's, I'm getting more and more competitors, which is obviously the goal. I think this is something, um, there's nothing wrong with general pop- population, and I coach plenty of people there. It's very, very interesting, but I think if you want to specialize in a certain area, you have to you have to go there. And mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's definitely male and female physique competitors. I still coach quite a few powerlifters, which is something I, I enjoy a lot, and which is which you can you can you can learn a lot from that but um as far as my future as a coach goes i really want to focus on physique competitors definitely cool awesome well i'd like to thank you very much for your for your time buddy um i'm sure that i will be following your off season up until 2020 with uh avid uh, avid eyes on your progress and i think that it's interesting let me see 2018 2019 Yes, potential that I that I will take that similar years out, and uh, maybe we'll be prepping again in 2020, and we can we can maybe share glute images with each other and tell ourselves <laughs> that, we're, that we're still fat. Um, <laughs> so yes, mate, thank you very much for your time, um, and uh, guys, thank you for listening. Make sure that you like uh, the podcast if you're on YouTube. Comment below with any questions that you have for me or Valentin, um, and also if you're listening on the iTunes app. Do us a favor, uh, screenshot that you're listening, uh, tag us both and whack it on your story um, and let us know what you think. Uh, Share it around because uh, the more this episode gets out, I think there's a lot of really good points and obviously uh, Valentin is a great bodybuilder and and I want to, and we want to, spread the, the world of natural bodybuilding out there because... Some people are saying that it's dying and it's not. It's definitely not. It's it's only growing. It's only getting better. And uh, yes. w- we're the ones. We're the ones spreading it. So uh, spread it with us. And thanks for staying around. And thank you, Valentin. Cheers, mate. Thanks, AJ. Thanks, man. Cool. Cheers, dude.